I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Linda Olson, uh, best-selling author, and her new book is Transform Your Story, Letting Go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You. How do you let go of your past when it follows you wherever you go? Is it even possible to move beyond your darkest moment and live the life you were meant to live? Linda Olson shares with compelling honesty a tragic accident in 1966 that forever defined her life. The valuable lessons she learned during her 45-year-long journey of self-forgiveness will empower readers with strategies to help them transform their own stories and enjoy freedom, peace, and inspiration every day. Her story is a must-read for anyone who wants to enjoy complete freedom from their past so they can empower their future and do what they have been called to do. Uh, Linda is a TEDx speaker and also founder of Wealth Through Stories. Welcome to the show, Linda. Nice to have you on. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Well, the first big question is... uh, how do we do that? How do we, how are we able to let go of the past, get, become free of it, and then empower us to go on and have the future that we want to have? That's not easy to do. You did it. How did you do it? What happened to you in 1966 that forever defined your life? Well, that is certainly taking me back a long way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was only 14. And uh, growing up on a farm in, um, in Canada, and through a tractor accident, my precious little two-year-old brother was killed. I was the one driving the tractor. And as you can imagine, it was then, like I said, I was 14 years of age, so most people do not want to go back to 14 (laughs) at any time, and I certainly didn't either. So that alone is such a big um, developmental stage. You know, it's moving from childhood to adulthood, and there's so many questions. Well, to put this tragedy on top of that with a little brother that I just loved so dearly, um, it, it, it was, like I said, a very long journey to healing. Yeah, that is probably, that's a terrible tragedy. I mean, if you, and being able to overcome that um, almost seems impossible. I mean, as I'm, you know, listening to your story, uh, it's, it's, it's something that uh, initially, I just kind of want to go back to that, like when it first happened, how did you respond? And then how take us through some of the sort of the progression in terms of how you were able to get out of the darkest, darkest time in your life. Well, that was the uh, first month of high school, which was a big switch for me because I actually went to a little country school of 30 students, eight grades. And in the eighth grade alone, there were only three of us. And so now we were all bused into the nearest town. There were 75 students in the ninth grade. And so that alone was a major transition. This was in the first month. And I clearly remember the very next morning after the accident, my dad came to my bedroom door, and I was lying in bed and crying. And he said, we've got to get up. We have to keep going. And I thought, why? Why get up? It was like 
life had just drained from me. And with any, you know, any major setback or tragedy or whatever crisis it may be, it's always about that first step. And to me, that first step was literally stepping out of bed. And then, and then it was, you know, even just going to the table to have breakfast. Um, it, it wasn't that I, you know, the accident, of course, affected every family member in a very, very deep way. And our family was not good at communication to begin with. So now I would get to the breakfast table, and the only word spoken was, pass me the jam. And uh, every, basically everyone was quiet, and they wouldn't say anything. We were not encouraged to express our feelings. Way back then, um, hadn't even heard of a counselor or support groups. There wasn't anything like that available at that time. And... I felt like I faced fear around every corner. Uh, fear, uh, I was, it was a small, very small community of 500 people where word spreads very quickly. And I was so afraid people would reject me. And then one of the biggest fears, I didn't know how I would ever step back into high school and was so afraid someone would ask me why I had missed a week of school. Um, so it, it was, um, I don't even know where, hardly where I got the, the courage. The courage came from within, but it literally was one step at a time to face it each new day, each new week, each new month, to just keep going the best I could. And in many respects, um, a big part of my high school years were, were, were kind, of, kind of a blur. I mean, I, you know, I, I walked through it the best I could, but emotionally I was such a long way from, from healing. Were you always alone in your feelings, I mean, you mentioned you said your father was kind of the first step. You have to get out of bed. I mean, you, you can't, that's, and that was maybe the first step or getting up and being able to have breakfast or whatever. But, and, and your fear of the community and how they would respond to you, only 500 people in the community. What was their response? What did you have to deal with besides your own inner feelings and, and emotions externally? What were people, how were they responding and reacting to you? You know, people really um, were, were very caring, very giving. Um, we have quite a number of extended family in the area, and they were very gracious in bringing over meals. Of course, nobody wanted to eat, but, you know, there was lots of food. There was this and that. But the hard part was nobody understood grief. Nobody knew that the best thing they could do is allow me to share my pain, to share my grief, and just to ask me, you know, how I was doing. Their mindset was such that if we ask her about it, it will trigger her pain, and we don't want to trigger more pain, so we're not going to say anything about the accident. And... um, 
And it was only, it, was, it wasn't that they didn't care. It wasn't that they didn't try to reach out. They just didn't understand grief. And I think people are, in, in my experience as a social worker, I think people are terrified for themselves because they don't want to address what happened to you. It's sort of when, you know, when people are diagnosed with cancer, I often hear, you know, uh, no one wants to really talk about the cancer. It's mm. how can we help you? And yeah, because it's too painful for the person, not the person who is trying to be supportive. And it's too frightening, too scary for them. Yes, I, I agree with that. So of course, how do you at that get time, I didn't this... understand any of it, but no. <laughs> I certainly yeah. agree with it now. <laughs> okay, in the context of what happened to you, you obviously you graduated from high school, and and then what happened, and how were you able to 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 go forward? At what point? What happened that? I graduated from high school, and being in this small community and nothing there really for me to move on, um, and at that point, because of where I was emotionally, I, I really just didn't even know if I could handle college or university, but I had a very close friend. In fact, she was a cousin just a year ahead of me, and she had gone to a small private school, and... Um, I saw her I saw her life blossom within that year. It was a dormitory college, private school like I said, and she encouraged me. She says, "Linda, just come, even if it's for one year, just come." And so finally I I said yes, and I did go, of course knowing she was going to be there, and I knew her, at least I knew one person. And, and the school, like I said, was small. It was only uh, about 100 students, and almost everybody lived in the dormitory. So it's a place to make new friends quickly. And I remember so clearly in this private school, we had chapel services um, every day. And every now and then we would have these student chapels, and they just asked students to get up and share something about their life or a testimony or something, and my heart was pounding. I knew I needed to get up, but I was terrified of getting up. And finally, I, I got up, and I shared, like in about two minutes, I shared about the accident. And again, there was such, I was so afraid people would reject me, and instead, I received just the opposite response. It was such a major breakthrough for me, one, to just get up and say something, and people gathered around after, and they said, we are so sorry. Please know we are here for you. If you want to talk, we're here. If you want to cry, we're here. Uh, I mean, it was, it was an overwhelming response of warmth and love that was totally unexpected for me. And that allowed me to just know, in, even in a deeper emotional way, how much people cared. And it was okay. It was okay to occasionally talk about it if I needed to. So that, that was, I did end up spending three years there and graduated after three years. And uh, that was another major victory for me um, and, and felt in those three years, of, especially of dormitory living, um, 
my whole life changed. I felt like as I listened to other people's dreams and goals, career goals and um, life goals, um, for the first time in my life, I felt like maybe I could begin dreaming too. And there was more to life. It's almost like, it's like if we give people a chance, that's what I hear you saying. Like you were so sure that you yeah. know how they would react, but when you gave them a chance and you shared, they came back yeah. and, and they, you got the support that you didn't think you would get or you thought you would get the opposite, be judged. Absolutely, yes. So, okay, let's talk maybe specifically in the book, uh, Transforming Your Story. What what steps do we need to take to be able to do that? Because everybody has a different story, obviously, one that holds us back, most of us anyway, and we can't seem yeah. to let go of it, and it keeps coming, and we take it with us, and if we wherever we go, even if we travel around the world, it comes with us, right? So it how, does. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it with you. Yes, well, the first step is, you know, identifying what it is exactly what it is and often we can identify the incident but we may not identify always identify the emotions that go with that incident so it's it's basically you know what's triggered is it anger that's triggered is it fear that's triggered is it shame is it guilt and to just identify um not like i said not only the incident but the emotions that are tied into that. So that give us an would example, because give us, an, obviously, another <laughs> example. You gave us your own story, but give us an example of that, of what you're talking, what you're talking about. Well, it could be uh, somebody uh, who maybe got fired at work, and there's so much, uh, there's so much anger and uh, with this situation because they felt like it was unfair. They knew they were responsible at work. It was, you know, one little incident that happened, um, and, and the boss just said, I'm sorry, you know, that's it. Um, you got to pack up and leave. And so that, that, that unfairness, that anger... Can we can take that with us, you know, wherever we go. And then, of course, when we are applying for a new job, then there's always the fear that gets triggered uh, that it could happen again. And if that's all we focus on, sometimes that's exactly what does happen. Or we, we start working in a new situation that is entirely different. And all of a sudden, within a few months of working there, we recognize a, a boss, a coworker, or someone who reminds us exactly of the boss that had just fired us. And those things often repeat themselves because we are carrying that deep emotion of anger with us wherever we go. So we can travel across the country, move across the country, and we're still taking that anger with us. And so and we have to address that And that's how we get stuck in our emotion. story. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We just get stuck. Whatever our story is, we get stuck. And then we sort of perpetuate the We Not sort of, we do perpetuate the story because we can't let go of that anger. Okay, anger is one thing. You say you have to define the emotion. 
What are the other emotions? Well, certainly in my case, even though I talked about the fear, the deepest emotion was the guilt, the fact Mm -hmm. that I was responsible for the death of my little brother. And uh, it can so guilt is certainly one area. It may be shame. It may be um, anxiety or worry. It may be loss, uh, where there's you know deep grief involved. Um, so many loneliness. So many different emotions. So that's the first step: defining the emotion. Like, what is it that's keeping us stuck? And then, and then working through that. Okay, take us through the, the next step once we do that, once we realize, uh, you know, I was, I'm angry because I lost my job and it doesn't seem like there any, wasn't any reason for it. So every job that I go to, wherever it is, I'm taking that anger with me. And then I, of course, have the potential to lose that job as well. So, um, yeah, how do yes, we get rid of that? Then, then we need to take a look at once we identify that, and stop long enough to do that, now we have a choice to make because in running, you know, uh, we can do all kinds of things to avoid that emotion. Like we said, we can travel across or move across country, uh, different jobs, something that's entirely different, a different career, a different community, whatever it may be. So there's many, many ways of avoiding it. Or we may be staying in our same community and it can drive us to um, shopping, overeating, perhaps drinking, drugs, you know, all kinds of things. They're all ways of avoiding dealing with it. Or we have the choice to face the situation and decide that we are not going to allow the anger, the fear, whatever it is, to drive us. Because at this point, it's really in control, not us. We think we are, but we really aren't. So it's a choice. Number two is a choice. I think sometimes that's very difficult for people to realize they have a choice. Because many people I know, people I've seen in practice, the first thing they say is, oh, I don't really have a choice. I have to do this. I have to, whatever it is, whatever the have to is, right? And I don't mm-hmm. have a choice. We always have a choice. There are always choices. Sometimes there are more choices than others. But as you say, I have a choice. I can do something differently. And so that's part of it, the first step. Um, you're you're and- absolutely right. Uh, many people haven't, aren't able to see beyond their immediate situation, their anger, their fear, whatever. It's almost like it paralyzes them. And it takes somebody from the outside to say, wait a minute, there are options. There are options. Let's take a look at a few of them and be able to lay it out before them. Um, like I said, for many people, that's, that's like a, a new thought. Um, never considered an option. All I know is I'm... I'm so focused on um, getting away from this situation that I don't even recognize what I'm running to. Talk to us about, we don't have a lot of time left, uh, left, but you're the founder of Wealth Through Stories, which is what we've been talking about. So what is Wealth Through Stories? Wealth Through Stories is a program that I developed when I came to Complete Healing And somehow this whole concept of story just came fresh and new to me. I mean, prior to complete healing, if somebody had asked me if I had a 
story, I probably would have said, I don't think so. But since then, as I came to Complete Healing, I know that everyone has a story. And it's not just any story. It's a story that can transform lives. And I did some research and discovered that the, I thought, why aren't people, if it's so important, why aren't people telling their story every day? And as I did the research, I discovered the number one reason is because most people don't think they have a story. Secondly, if they do, they don't really think it's important enough that anybody would want to hear it. And thirdly, they, have, they wouldn't have a clue where to start to tell it. And somehow I knew that was my new calling, to help people find, create, and tell their story. And through that, uh, Wealth Through Stories was birthed as I, uh, as I teach people how to um, find their story, how to create their story, and then how to either tell or write their story. Some people are better at writing. If that's what they want to do, I will guide them in that process. And I believe um, my mission is to impact a million people a year through story because I believe that, like I said, everybody has a great story and others are waiting to hear it because it brings them hope and healing when they find out how they have moved beyond their very difficult or tragic situations. It would seem to me that your work is going to be cut out for you after this pandemic or during, because everybody has a story. And I think now I, your story kind of gets more revealed, I think, under these kinds of conditions. I don't know if that's been your experience, but your all of our behavior becomes more exaggerated when you're confined and 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 not and uh, there aren't different ways to sort of get away from your story you're stuck in your story in your house <laughs> with other people and um, this the um, COVID-19 it would seem to me would you could go past a million stories actually <laughs> you could I <laughs> well mean. I think you're I think you're very right because <laughs> it's always when we're under stress and pressure and Unique situations like we've all experienced this this year of being so isolated, we have to take a look at what's inside. In many respects, because we're isolated, we can't run um, uh, like like we could before, and so we have to take a look at you know uh, how are we handling this, and um, and often our deeper story really surfaces, and I find that. Through all of this, although of course there's so much, so much uh, tragedy and sadness all around us, but at the same time, you know, people are are deeply hurting overall, and there's an openness. I, I believe a greater openness uh, because they're crying out for help many times, but there's a greater openness to learn and to perhaps to take a look at their story. Yes. Yeah. So you're saying there's more opportunity for growth because we are stuck with ourselves, actually. You can't get away from it. I I know that's true of me. (laughs) You know, my coping mechanism sometimes, I like to travel, so things are bothering me. I can't can't do that. I can't do a lot of those. Everybody has their own ways of coping, right? But, uh, yeah, you are really stuck with yourself, and you can take a look, and it's right there. And opportunity, that's a good way of looking at it. 
hopefully people will do that. But I'm, I'm wondering if you've talked to people. We only actually have a couple minutes left. But if you have talked to people with regard to, I'm always interested with regard to the pandemic and how that's affected them. Oh, yes, I have. And I've also discovered that the um, whole writing industry, that as I've been writing my books and been in touch in that field, that they have been bombarded with work in these last few months because people are at home, so they're focused on their writing. <laughs> so that's a good thing. <laughs> they're that's getting a very, yeah, that's out. very positive. That's great. Okay. Give us some websites we can go to. I'm going to. I'm talking to Linda Olson, and her book is "Transform Your Story: Letting Go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You." Great book. We can buy it where? What websites? Um, on Amazon, I assume. Um, yeah. Yes, Amazon would be the best place. Transform Your Story is is my story, but I've got some wonderful tools in there to help anybody with their story. Your story matters that just came out in February, um, that is helping you tell your story. Wealththroughstories.com is my personal website, and you can find them on there, plus a lot of other information. And perhaps the best thing I could do is give you my my email, as I am... um, Great, we have 30 seconds left, so give it to us. Quickly. Okay, Linda at wealththroughstories.com with any questions or, uh, or if you want to move on or have a story strategy session. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Linda. It's great talking to you. Good advice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 